Welcome to the Sciences Energy Podcast. My name is Katharina Menke, and today I'll be speaking to Philip Kopinski, who is an expert on international and African energy issues. He holds a PhD in political science on oil resources and governance in the Gulf of Guinea, and is working as a freelance consultant in the field of energy, especially on the issues of oil and gas geopolitics, energy supply security, as well as transparency and governance in the energy sector. Philip Kopinski furthermore teaches courses on the geopolitics of energy, the political economy in sub-Saharan Africa, and corporate social responsibility in the energy sector at Sciences Po Paris. Today we'll be talking about the effects of the Russian invasion in Ukraine on Africa's oil and gas sector. We will discuss the potential for more gas production in Africa, the reasons preventing companies to invest there, and the risk of stranded assets. We will also take a look at current oil production in Africa and potential future developments in its oil and gas sector. This is the first part of two episodes on the effects of the Russian invasion in Ukraine and Africa from an energy perspective. The second episode will be published soon and will focus on how the energy crisis is impacting the daily life of people in Africa and the impacts of the current events on the energy transition on the continent. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, the 24th of August, 2022. Welcome to the Sciences Po Energy Podcast, Mr. Kopinski. I'm very happy to have you here today to speak about the effects of the Russian invasion in Ukraine on Africa's oil and gas sector. In reaction to the Russian invasion, the European Union aims to diversify its energy sources away from Russia, which has already cut off or significantly reduced gas supply to several European Union member states, and is trying to impede oil exports to the European Union. Energy security concerns and rocket high prices for oil and gas are fueling momentum for oil and gas projects all around the world and also in Africa. So in the last months, for example, several European Union political leaders have visited African countries and thereby announced new energy supply agreements. So against this background, to start with, it would be great if you could speak about the oil and gas projects that have been announced in Africa in the last months a bit more specifically and give some concrete examples. So who are the main players in those newly announced or revived projects and which companies and or which governments are involved? Yes, thank you for, for the invitation. Um, first, I would like to underline the fact that there, there is actually two uh, main issues for the Euro European Union. Uh, the first one is indeed what you mentioned, the fact that the European countries want to stop buying oil and gas from Russia and they need therefore to find other suppliers. That's, I would say, it's um, short to middle term problems as, as we know, uh, the European Union has decided to stop buying oil and gas but only in a few months. Um, so it gives us, give the European Union and the countries some time to uh, find uh, an alternative supplier. But there is another problem, which is also the consequence of uh, the war in Ukraine, is the, uh, the rise of the price on the energy market and especially the gas price, uh, because it affects not only uh, the, the price that the consumers will pay for their gas supplies, but also electricity. Um, and in some countries that are very dependent on uh, gas to produce electricity, 
um, the consumers have experienced very sharp increase of their energy bill, and that is going to be a very short-term problem. It is already the case, and especially by uh, next winter, uh, we might experience in some countries um, some difficulties for households just to pay for their energy bills. So indeed, for uh, European countries, finding alternative sources of supply is something important, and an obvious one is uh, African countries. Now, there are still problems, and it's not as easy as that. The first problem is that um, the, the gas market has traditionally been based on long-term contracts. Uh, this is not so much a spot market, this is not a very liquid market, which means that switching from one supplier to another uh, is very difficult. This is not something uh, you can easily do, um, and, and especially not in the short term. Um, the, the second problem is that um, most African countries they actually already produced as much as they can. Um, this is not, uh, there is no many countries in the world that have uh, spare production capacities um, in, and therefore they cannot just uh, turn on the tap and produce more to uh, supply European countries. Um, so yes, European countries have been trying to find alternative sources in Africa, as well as uh, elsewhere in the world, but um, this is only a long-term solution. It will need a lot of investments uh, in infrastructures of production, of transport, uh, both in Africa and in, uh, in Europe, and it's not before two, three years maybe that uh, we, we might see a result. In short term, um, it's going to be much more difficult. And um, we won't have uh, African uh, natural gas uh, supplying Europe in, in huge quantity in a short term. There are a couple of countries that have probably an important potential to increase uh, their production but once again, you need to invest first to increase the uh, production capacities and the export capacities. But countries like Algeria, Nigeria, uh, Senegal, Mozambique, um, maybe Angola, um, they have clearly uh, untapped resources that could be exploited. Um, but the problem is not as much the, the resource itself. Uh, it's more in the investment capacities of these countries or of uh, international investors to um, uh, increase the, the production capacities. So you spoke a bit about the investment capacity. Um, I think in the past, the international majors especially have been a bit reluctant to invest in oil and gas projects in certain African countries. Um, amongst others due to political instability or security concerns. Um, do you see this perspective um, on the investment security in African countries changing right now? 
and actually enough investment flowing into such projects or not? And if yes, what is the reason behind this um, change of perspective? Each country's each country has a different situation, uh, but you can certainly um, make a distinction between first the countries where you have political instability uh, that prevents international investors to invest, uh, to pour some money to develop the infrastructures. A country like Nigeria is clearly uh, a very unstable country and companies are reluctant to invest a lot of money despite the fact that the resource is clearly there. Another uh, country with uh, huge security problems that prevent um, the, 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 the investment in uh, natural gas production is Mozambique. Um, very important uh, fields, gas fields has been discovered about 10 years ago. Um, and we are still waiting for the companies to invest in order to develop the production capacities because of the instability in the north of the country. Uh, the, 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 one of the major players there is Total Energy, the French company. Um, they have decided to freeze their investment uh, um, at uh, the beginning of the year or end of last year. Uh, because of the Islamic ins uh, uprising in uh, the northern part of, um, of the country. A third country which is in that case is obviously Libya. Um, there is also a huge gas potential in Libya, but uh, because of the civil war, because of the, instability, the political instability, uh, it's very difficult for the companies to have long-term investment and um, they are very reluctant to, to do so. Um, a second kind of problem is uh, the legislation that you find in some African countries uh, that also discourage international investors. I think in particularly um, of a country like Algeria uh, where international companies are obliged to um, uh, form a joint venture with the local company Sonatrach in order to invest in new development. Um, and that specific law that has been criticized by the international investors for uh, years and years is still in place and clearly prevents um, companies to uh, to do more in terms of uh, investment to uh, to develop the the production. Uh, Nigeria is also uh, uh, in that case for about a decade now. Uh, the government is trying to pass a new uh, petroleum bill um, that will. Uh, set up the framework, the legal framework for the international investors. There is a lot of uncertainties about what will happen uh, or what will be the result of that new legislation. And in between, companies are uh, very reluctant again to uh, invest as they don't know what will be the, the legal framework uh, for their investment.
Um, and, and the third problem for the, for the, the companies um, is the, the fact that in some countries, um, the local needs are very important. And some governments um, do impose to international investors to dedicate some of the gas production uh, to the local market. Now, for the international companies uh, like Total Energy, Shell, BP, uh, the Italian Eni, Exxon Mobile, the American one, this is also an issue because they clearly prefer to be able to export their production and to sell it on the international market rather than uh, having to sell the production to the local market uh, and for uh, the, the local economy. On one hand, it's very uh, understandable that the countries, they want to keep some part of the production for their own development. And this is very important for them, uh, especially given that you have huge energy uh, needs and a growing population. Um, but from a purely business point of view and from the point of view of the international companies, um, this is not as profitable to sell on a local market, which is usually subsidized where the price are not free, rather than be able to export uh, on the global market. So all that together, uh, yes, you have huge potential. Uh, in some countries, you have had very important discoveries. So we know that uh, the gas is there in the, the underground. Um, I think of a country like Mozambique, I mentioned, but also Tanzania next to it. Uh, on the other side, in Senegal and Mozambique, in the Gulf of Guinea, for instance, in Nigeria, in Angola, etc. Um, but there are many problems uh, that prevent companies to invest and as they are making doing business, um, what, what matters for them is how profitable their investment will be and um, they don't have the insurance that it will always be profitable as they, they would like to be. So that means that it really remains to be seen whether large-scale investment um, in African oil and gas projects will take place by international majors. Um, I just want to come back to one thing you mentioned before is that there's no spare capacity for additional um, gas production right now in African producer countries. Um, do you know of any projects that are trying to target the short-term perspective, for example, aiming to reduce flaring? Or is that not really happening on the African continent? It, it is happening and this is a huge problem uh, an environmental problem, uh, an economic problem for these countries because it's a, a completely waste of energy and it's an ecological problem uh, because it's just produced a lot of greenhouse gases uh, for no reason. Um, historically, uh, most of the gas, what we call the associated gas, the gas that is associated to oil that comes out of the field at the same time as oil has been flared, um, which means burned um, in sub-Saharan African countries. 
because companies used to consider that there were no local markets uh, and it was not um, profitable enough to develop the infrastructure to be able to export uh, this gas. Uh, a few countries over the last 20 years has started slowly developing uh, uh, liquefaction capacities to be able to export that gas, um, mostly in Nigeria, but also in Equatorial Guinea or in, um, uh, in Angola and in Cameroon. Uh, but there is still a, a very large amount of natural gas which is flared, and uh, that could be theoretically used to increase production uh, or to develop production. But once again, um, you need huge investments and it's going to take time uh, to develop that. And in order to, um, uh, to have uh, the, the, this investment, uh, you, you need a proper legal framework that ensures the investors that their investment will be profitable. And in some countries, it is not the case. And also you need some political stability uh, in order to make sure that an investment that is made for 20, 30 years uh, will be safe over the lifetime of, uh, of the project. So it is the case in some countries um, that will probably very shortly uh, start producing natural gas. I think a country like Senegal, for instance, uh, but as I already mentioned, in Nigeria, in Mozambique, uh, in Libya, uh, or for other reasons in Algeria, this is not always the case. Um, so this is part of the potential of African um, countries in terms of gas production but it is not a short-term uh, uh, solution. And once again, for the EU, uh, this is urgent uh, to find short-term solution to uh, uh, replace the, the Russian gas. So it seems that the projects in Africa are not going to help Europe to meet its gas demand in the upcoming winter. Um, just assuming that production could be ramped up quickly enough, is there sufficient gas export infrastructure in place, such as LNG export terminals or gas pipelines, to transport additional gas from African countries to European or global consumers? So for this winter, 2022-2023, uh, no. Uh, it's clearly, there is no more African gas that will be available in, on the market and for European countries especially. Um, the increase of production will be only marginal. Um, for next winter, 2023-2024, uh, uh, we can expect uh, some projects to uh, start their production, especially in Senegal and Mozambique, if everything goes right and um, if indeed the, the project goes uh, uh, well and fast enough. For other production, um, it will probably take more time um, and especially has uh, during the COVID pandemic in 2020, 
a lot of projects have been frozen uh, because the price has dropped so much that most companies uh, decided to uh, either uh, stop or delay their investment. Um, no, the the trend is um, is reversed, and and they are trying to fast track their their project. Um, but in cases like Mozambique or Nigeria or or Libya, the problem will remain the political instability rather than. Uh, the, the, the will of the companies or uh, the, the, the resource potential, which is clearly there. Okay, and just to come back to the topic of, um, of transport infrastructure, is there some spare transport capacity or will there also have to be some huge infrastructure investments um, taking place in this regard? For natural, uh, for liquefied natural gas, uh, there is no much spare capacities as far as I know. I think in Nigeria, uh, Angola, Equatorial Guinea, Cameroon, um, they export more or less as much as they can. In Algeria, uh, that export natural gas through pipelines that reach either Spain or Italy, um, you have spare capacities, clearly. But there, the problem will be um, the gas to put in the pipeline which means the production, um, you can increase, probably now Algeria can increase uh, uh, its own production, but the problem you, we have uh, seen over the last years in Algeria is uh, the fact that the domestic consumption is growing very fast and offsetting some of the export capacities the consumption is growing faster than the production, which means that the gas available to export is either uh, stagnating or even uh, decreasing. Um, if they change their, their, their consumption, uh, if they rationalize a little bit the use of natural gas in the country, um, they will have the capacity to export more. And in that case, yes, uh, the, the, the export uh, capacities are there in the sense that the pipeline are in place and are at the moment underused. So before you have been speaking about the need for large-scale investments in new gas production projects in Africa because of the currently very high gas demand from the European Union, but regarding the very ambitious decarbonization goals of the European Union, do you think there is a high risk that those investments become stranded assets? Yes, this is a risk. Um, and for me, I, I don't know what, what is going to happen. But clearly, uh, in the short term, the, 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 pro, the, the solution to the European problem of uh, cutting off import well, gas import from Russia will be actually to lower its own consumption. Uh, it's easier to say than, than, than to do it, but this is the only solution I can see is that we, we should not try to uh, replace Russian production by another that will not be possible or not easily. Uh, we, we, we need to rationalize 
the use we have of energy and especially of natural gas. There are some short-term investments that are being made both in Europe for uh, increased import capacities. In Germany, for instance, they are commissioning um, uh, floatable uh, um, LNG terminals to receive LNG, liquefied natural gas. I don't know how long we will need that because uh, we can see clearly that there is another urgency, which is to organize the energy transition and to stop using oil, gas, and coal as source of energy. That can happen quite quickly, but it's a question of political will, uh, of investment, and um, the political will, I'm not quite sure yet that is here. Um, I think the short-term uh, solution for the politician, for the governments, is to try to uh, secure the supply rather than to organize the transition. In long term, um, yes, I believe that uh, some of the investment that are planned today in increasing production in Africa might not be necessary uh, in, in the future, but it is very difficult to say. Uh, not all the countries in the world are on the same track as the European Union uh, as far as energy transition is concerned. So probably a lot of countries like um, India, African countries themselves, uh, they will need natural gas for uh, still a very long time. So probably uh, the, the, the production, the output will find some market in, in the future, but that might not be Europe anymore. I see. Um, thanks a lot. It was super interesting. Um, I think that now we spoke a lot about the gas sector in Africa. And before finishing, I would like to quickly also take a look at the oil sector in Africa. Um, so we know that in recent months, oil prices have been very high. Um, I would like to know how this has impacted oil production in Africa, especially in the continent's biggest producer countries, Nigeria and Angola. Yeah, um, oil is a very different uh, market than gas because oil is uh, mostly sold uh, on the spot market, which means that uh, it's not based on long-term contract and it's a market which is very liquid. The consumers are not linked to specific suppliers. It's really a globalized market in which all the producers uh, offer their production and all the consumers buy uh, according to their needs. Oil is mostly used for transportation and transportation is road transportation, uh, cars and trucks, but also plane and boats. Planes and boats, uh, it will be difficult in short or, um, or in short term at least to switch to another energy source. For road transportation, the market is evolving very quickly already. We, we can see that the car 
market is being electrified in a very high speed is going very fast and in, in some European countries like Norway or Sweden the, the, the number of uh, electric cars um, are uh, that are sold are even bigger than the uh, classic cars uh, running on oil. So in Europe but also in China uh, which is also a very important market for cars, the demand might start, the demand for oil might very soon start going down. So there, there is no such urgency to uh, organize a transition or to find alternative suppliers uh, to Russian oil. And we have seen over this summer that the price of oil has already started going down. Um, the price today at the end of August, the price of oil is about what it was before uh, the beginning of the war in Ukraine, which means that the markets uh, do not anticipate that is going to uh, be a problem in supply. And even that um, despite the embargo on Russian oil, the market will be uh, correctly, sufficiently supplied. And that won't be so much of a problem. So yes, uh, investing today in developing more oil production capacities in Africa uh, might not be very clever, given that uh, the, the, the demand, the global demand, might start to uh, go downward, especially on markets like uh, Europe and China. And has there been any spare capacity in oil production in Africa or not, um, so that the production level has stayed pretty steady in the last months? Not too much. Countries like... Uh, Angola or Nigeria uh, used to produce much more uh, oil than they produce today. But this is not so much because of uh, the quotas imposed by uh, OPEC. It is much more a problem of um, the maintenance of the infrastructures and you know, investment that needs to be made in order to maintain the production. So um, they could increase theoretically their production, uh, but once again, they need to, uh, to invest. And for the reason I explained for uh, the, the gas, the companies might be reluctant to uh, invest a lot. In Algeria, probably they can increase their oil production a little bit. Otherwise, I don't, I don't see much spare capacities uh, on the continent right now. Usually, apart from countries like Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, uh, Emirates, etc., most of the oil-producing countries, they produce as much as they can um, all the time. They don't necessarily have uh, spare capacities uh, or not... not extensive uh, spare cap production capacities now. Okay, so it seems that the biggest changes in Africa's um, oil and gas sector are actually happening in the gas sector. 
And that was very insightful. Just before finishing the episode, um, I would like to end with a little personal estimate of you. So mm -hmm. in the news, I've often read the phrase um, that there's an energy renaissance taking place in Africa. Do you agree with this statement or is it um, exaggerated? It depends how you how you judge that, that, that renaissance. Um, if you look at what's what happening exactly two years ago, um, yes, uh, there is a, a new interest for the continent or for investment in general in the energy business everywhere in the world. But that was two years ago at uh, uh, the beginning of the COVID pandemic, uh, when the, the price of energy went extremely uh, low and nobody wants to invest anymore. So today, yes, a lot of companies, of countries are trying to uh, invest more. And Africa has always been very attractive for the international investors because it's, or most of the African countries are very open to investors. There is no risk of nationalization. There is uh, a very, or, or quite low uh, fiscal regimes. So it's quite attractive for them. In the long run, I, I wouldn't say that there is so much as a renaissance. The, one of the, the issues that will clearly uh, be on the table um, for the investors will be uh, the domestic, the local demand, which is rising uh, because the population is growing, because the energy needs are growing, and because there are um, political demand for more access to energy. And I think that will be important for uh, the energy companies. And you can see that some companies are more and more looking at the local markets. Uh, and that is not so much to produce uh, gas or oil, but rather to produce electricity for the local population. And that can be renewable energies or any kind of energy in general. Great. Thanks a lot for those very interesting insights you gave us today, Mr. Kapinci. Have a good day and hopefully see you soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Siospo Energy Podcast. Recorded and produced in Paris by Katharina Menke with the help of Philip Forster, Julio Altese and the team of Radio Germaine, the Sciences Po Students Radio. If you liked the podcast, then feel free to leave a rating on iTunes or wherever you are listening. If you are an undergraduate student and you are interested in energy, then have a look at the program offered by Sciences Po.